Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 229. You've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about ways that we try to avoid getting bored uh, while we're training. Absolutely. Uh, if you know anything about Chris and his household, bored is a four-letter word. <laughs> um, it generally involves less than ideal tasks or less than desirable tasks for the children's. Yes. Yeah. If you, um, if you, in my house, if you it, now this goes back a ways because my kids are getting older now. But when anybody would throw out, I'm bored, we said, oh, that, you know what? There's an ancient language there that translates directly into I want to clean bathrooms. Um, you know, so in the further translation from that or the implied statement is good, find something to do. Um, you know, bored is something you build decks with. Um, you know, go find something to do. Life's crazy. There's, there's outdoors, there's indoors. Bored sucks. But yeah, we all get bored. Go find it. Go do something else. Get up off your butt kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So bored translation yeah. i want to clean bathrooms think about that that way don't be bored at least not in my house oh <laughs> uh, so the, yeah the question with that you know you're at the range you do your drills you don't necessarily feel like you're getting anywhere with them um things kind of stagnate or you hit plateaus yeah so ways that we kind of work around that yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna throw out the the number one thing that i think Guys, I want you to bear in mind that, that from a defensive firearms training perspective, um, I have been on the range with a mindset toward improving my skill sets, whether it be specifically shooting a gun or, or tactics or application of medical tools, things of that nature, whatever. The, I've been doing this for 18, almost 20 years, a couple times a month, if not more. Um, and the thing that has made it for me enjoyable, interesting, and I look forward to it every training night. I look forward to it um, is the group of guys. You're creating a tribe. You're creating the group of dudes that you want to train with. You're creating a group of people that maybe you got some guys that are better than you. You got some guys that know less than you. Some new guys, etc. But for me, the number one thing that that help has helped to keep this something that I enjoy doing is having a good, a good group of guys to go train with on a regular basis that you look forward to seeing. Um, you know, our group's pretty rough. Um, our group's pretty rough. Uh, it is not a polite group of guys. We have a lot of fun. It's not a polite group of guys on the range. Yeah. We have a lot of fun. <laughs> um, it is it is definitely a, a, guys, a guys' night kind of thing. Um, you know, but we give each other grief when somebody screws up. Um, we try to create a little bit of pressure you know, uh, if you're running a drill and something odd happens, you know, you will often hear a chorus of if you have a malfunction, you know, hey, you got the rest of your life to figure this shit out, you know, and, you know, if, if, if not actually having gravel thrown at you or whatever, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, it, but having that group of guys that, that you enjoy being around, that push you, that do not let you get away with shit, that do not let you slack, and at the same time, are going to take a moment every rep that they can to watch you do what you're doing and if you're struggling especially help you pick stuff apart and get better and find out ways to solve whatever it is you're trying to get past um to me that's the number one thing that keeps this from being boring um on a you know every week basis that we're doing it so now also bear in mind this is you know i turned my hobby into my work um so i'm extremely fortunate in that regard but that's the number one thing for me to keep it from getting boring. So create that group, find that group, do whatever you got to do to have that group. Yeah, yeah, the tribe is really important. Um, having a group 
where sucking is not acceptable mm -hmm. um, is really important because yeah. it, it keeps everybody striving towards yeah. getting that little bit a little bit better every time that you're on the range. Absolutely. And it's not to say that you can't have a new guy who maybe can't keep up at first. That's okay because that guy's learning. Um, but having somebody who consistently shows up and just doesn't want to perform, doesn't focus, is in that gun of the month club. Every time they show up, they're running a different gun. Um, that everything's a gear test, but the skill sets aren't there. You know, it, it just you know you, th that's the guy that is probably going to weed himself out in our group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, the dude who shows up running a different gun every training night and and can't perform with any of them. Um, you know, and is constantly trying out, you know, maybe cool guy kit that's not applicable to what you're actually doing, uh, and stuff like that is, is definitely part of the conversation. You know, you're looking, you know, for a group of people that, that want to get better. Everybody's new at some point or everybody's new to a certain discipline at some point too. And so accepting that, but helping those people along versus like I said, somebody who just wants to come out and play. Um, yep. I'm not interested in that guy. I think that guy becomes a liability from a training perspective, but in general, as well that speaks to kind of a lack of focus and i think there's possibly an op and an opportunity for that to become a safety issue as well um especially when you start talking about going into low light and stuff like that from running daylight stuff and whatnot yeah. so anyway yeah sorry off topic so try to keep her getting bored yeah so that's that's the thing for me um but so we look at some other tactics some other things you can do we kind of talked a little about how to break through plateaus and stuff like that this is a little bit different, um, you know, and I think with our group, you, some of the progressions that you've done or that we've done in the past, having that, having a training calendar, I think is one, another thing that helps you keep yeah. from getting bored because you set up what you're doing so you're not just going out and doing the same thing over and over again. You might have a warm up or a baseline drill that you want to do or something like that that you repeat, but you don't necessarily repeat it every training session. So that doesn't necessarily get old either. And part of that's planning out what you're doing, having a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Having you know, multiple sessions that can build on each other. Yeah. We found is really important. Um, it gives you one, this kind of excitement about coming back to the range to re to apply what you just learned. Continuity. Uh, I think it helps people focus on learning, you know, the beginning of whatever the block is because yeah. they know if they don't get this material, relatively squared away and kind of ingrained then you know in subsequent training events they're going to be way behind the eight ball they're going to struggle they're going to struggle for sure and part of that and, and again part of that too with our group is you know we have a pretty consistent group of guys that show up on a regular basis and so knowing that that's back to that group if you got the right guys you know people are going to be there um you're not constantly trying to get somebody up to speed too um, yeah. you know, but everybody knows, Hey, you know, there's a progression to this. If I'm not here, I'm going to miss it. The continuity is not going to be there. The foundations might, might not be built and you're going to struggle with it. Um, and that's not to say with our group that, you know, we don't, you know, everybody has a life, right? Everybody has things going on. Yeah. So nobody's going to be there a hundred percent. But I think generally that's another one of the reasons I don't want to miss it is because I don't want to see, I don't want to miss a foundation, a foundational building block or something like that as well it definitely does keep it interesting to have a plan and know that, hey, there's more coming. We're not just doing the same thing over and over again. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I would add dry fire training into the mix is how not to get bored. Yeah. Uh, especially when it goes to live fire training at the range. Uh, if you dry fire, you know, with diligence and with focus on a regular basis, you know, it's pretty easy to take live fire sessions into validating your dry fire training. Um, and kind of using it as that approach 
So now when you are on the range, it's like, okay, I've got to, I really have a reason to be here. Um, I want to see if all this, you know, dry fire training is going to do what I hope it's going to do or what I think it's going to do. Mm-hmm. And then can I perform, you know, at the level I'm expecting to be able to perform at. And from a psychological perspective, <laughs> I think there's a positive feedback loop there that happens. Yeah. I think there's a situation where the, you know, you do the dry fire. If you do it, you know, and I'm sporadic about it, there are, you know, we train about every two weeks, give or take, and there are weeks in between where I get definitely more and better dry fire practice in. And then sometimes there are two week sessions where I might only get one or two short dry fire uh, training sessions in. But when you get out on the range, you get positive feedback from having done the work in between. And so it drives you to wanna, you know, now when I think about, you know, do I have time to squeeze in a little bit of dry fire? I've got 13 other things going on. I'm chasing the kids around, something's going on at work an ATF inspection, blah, 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 whatever. And it's like, it's, it's only five minutes, squeeze some in because you know you're gonna get something out of it. And that's, I'm probably, I'm still not doing as much as I want, but I'm way more consistent about doing some dry fire every single week, no matter what. Even though unfortunately it's not every day or three to five days a week or something like that. Yeah. I do get a couple sessions in and it has definitely made a big difference in the validation of it live fire on the range. Um, yeah, like I said, it's that positive feedback loop to, hey, this works, and so now I want to do more dry fire. Um, we'll talk about dry fire further down the road in this conversation, too, um, because dry fire is freaking boring. It can be. And yeah. some, what are some ways you can improve that, too? So, yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah, as far as, you know, being on the range, um, I find that dry fire lets me, you know, from the first time out of the holster um, at, at speed, or yeah. 90, 95% yeah. speed. Um, and accuracy too. Yeah. Like there's not that like, oh, I gotta remember how to do all of the things. Yeah. And then by the time you remember how to do all the things, like half your training time's gone or half your ammo's yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really does make a big difference. Well, it takes a lot of the warm up out of it because dry, all dry fire is cold. Yeah. So yeah, so you're walking on, it's no different than walking on, walking in to do your dry fire at home. You're just doing it on the range with live ammo. Um, so there's definitely a kick to that, like I said, that positive feedback loop. Um, when you talk about dry fire, how to keep dry fire from being boring. <laughs> um, I, I, I know it's its own reward, but pressing the trigger and stuff like that, for me, I think keeping dry fire from being boring, the single best thing I've been able to do is break it up into no more than 10 minutes. Yeah. I do multiple <coughs> sessions and maybe multiple sessions in the same day. If I know I'm going to have time early or late, cause I know I've got a, a hole yeah. in my schedule. I'll plan on doing it for two five-minute sessions instead of one 10-minute session or instead of grinding it out or whatever. Um, you know, what are some other things that you think of that make dry fire itself a little less tedious? I mean, is there anything you do? Yeah, for me, the dry fire timer app for the iPhone, mm-hmm. um, I don't believe this is out there for the Android. Um, so, yeah, if you got an iPhone, then you're in luck. If you're an Android user, go buy an iPhone and get the app. Well, you know, it's hard, um, it's hard being a caveman. Yeah. yeah, no big deal. So, yeah. uh, but it, you know, has really, you can set really aggressive part times and then have it set to continually make those part times tighter. Yeah. And then it will auto cycle, you know, X number of reps. So you don't have to keep tapping the button or tapping the timer every time. Um, you can just do it. It kind of counts for mm-hmm. you. You know, all you have to worry about is getting the gun back in the holster or getting the rifle reset. Yeah. to start the next next repetition um, makes it really easy to get you know 20 30 40 50 reps yeah of something in you know in 10 minutes and then 
keep you focused. Yeah. Keep you focused on what you're doing. Um, and it, it, that is one of the things that I've found allows me to get work done in a five minute or 10 minute dry fire session is that timer. Um, just sitting there, you know, drawing one on a light switch, you know, you can find yourself, it feels like, man, I've been doing this for half an hour. And you look at your watch and it's like, oh, it's been seven minutes, <laughs> you know, versus if you're running yeah. that timer app, you're like, you know, like, man, I'd like to get a few more reps in, but I'm almost out of time. Oh, I've been doing this for 10 or 12 minutes and I really only wanted to do it for five because it pushes you each time a little bit more and gets you diving into it, chasing something, yeah. get you chasing something. Yeah. And then honestly, after, you know, 40 or 50 reps of doing whatever drill, generally my hands are smoked, my eyes are smoked. Yep. My brain is kind of, yeah, we're, we're good. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. So talking about that, the next, I'd say the logical progression of this conversation is where are you getting your drills? This is what we keep beating on. We've been beating on you guys for two years. There's a book. Yeah, Practical Shooting Training um, from Ben Steger and Jill Park. Yep. Um, highly recommend. Get it on Amazon. Um, it's the big white book. Yeah. Um, if you're looking to apply this stuff on the rifle side, um, the Adaptive Rifle yeah. book, again, from Ben Steger and Jill Park, highly recommended. Um, if you're looking for drills, kind of inspiration on things to do, um, following those guys on Instagram, or they oftentimes are posting you know, their new drills or what they're working on. Um, same with Matt Pranka from X-Ray Alpha, uh, Mike Pannone from CTT Solutions. Um, yeah, those guys are constantly coming up with and innovating on relatively simple drills that really push, you know, that balance of speed and accuracy where mm -hmm. both, you know, lots of both are expected. Yeah, and, and these, are, these are guys who do ridiculous amounts of dry fire and live fire training both but i'll say dry fire training ridiculous amounts yeah. of dry fire training um and and these are guys who if anybody was going to get bored doing this it would be these guys these are also guys who have a level of focus that most mere mortals don't um you know these are dudes who come out of the sf world um at a very very Dude. high level or or they come out of the competition shooting world at a very at the highest levels yeah um and so these are you know these are exceptional people for sure um you know so they're doing but they're doing exceptional work here uh it, it, you know i think you would you would find that if you put in 10 percent of the effort you would probably reap you know 25 percent of the reward um you know not 100 percent, right but still something's better than nothing kind of chasing that but these publications these books uh, there's also a dry fire guide, right? I mean, there's a yeah, there's specifically. There's a book called Dry Fire Reloaded. Um, if you're if you're looking to make that step to M class or master GM class in yeah. USPSA, I'd get the Dry Fire Reloaded book. Yeah. Um, if you're just looking at how do I get better at my shooting, um, get practical shooting training. Most of that stuff's already because it that. it covers a lot of dry fire. Yeah. Um, it kind of covers the dry fire component for all of the different drills and exercises that are in the book. Yep. Um, and then with practical shooting training, they're also breaking out kind of the drills and the exercises that you should be doing based on where you're at in your own personal shooting journey. Yeah. Um, I hate to use a bunch of new, what feels like new agey terms and things like that. <laughs> but if you're, yeah. if you just bought a pistol for the first time, um, you know, doing the, hey, I just need to be safe at the range yeah. and be able to safe enough to shoot my first competition. And then maybe looking at like what the drills and things would be to do B class um, is going to be way more beneficial 
than trying to refine a lot of really nuanced things yeah. like you'd be using for GM for master or GM class. And I'd say there's, there's, you know, this is like, you know, shooting is a martial art. It's a, an athletic endeavor. It's a sport of sorts. Um, so like any other athletic endeavor or sport, um, you know, there are beginner foundational blocks of instruction and movement and skills and things of that nature. And as you get further down the road and hone those things to where, you know, that some of that stuff becomes subconscious, then that's where we start cleaning things up a little bit. And I say that's the distinction between somebody who's brand new who needs to focus on foundational building blocks versus some of the nuanced things that you maybe can't feel or see because you're just not there yeah. yet. You haven't done it enough times. You know, Jerry Mishlack, I think, was quoted at one point as saying, you know, somebody said, hey, I want to come train with you. And he's like, cool, go shoot a half a million rounds and then call me. You know, kind of mentality where even if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to learn something by pulling the trigger a half a million times. Uh, unless it's just a masturbatory effort, you know, if you're going out and actually putting something into it, trying to get better, trying to see what you're doing, if you do it enough times, you're going to gain something. Okay, cool. Well, then rather than doing that, let's shortcut it and let's use what the guys are already successful doing. You know, let's do that. Yeah. And so that's where that comes in at that high level aspect. Um, the books are a really big deal. Um, I would say that you could spend some time searching around on the internet as well, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on Instagram accounts, looking at some of these drills. Yeah. Um, and maybe from other guys too, uh, the cautionary tale would be, does the drill fit where you're at? Does the drill fit what you want to be able to do? And does the drill fit anywhere in the real world? There are certain drills that I, I'm going to throw out an example. Um, one of the drills that we use is from the qual from the CAG guys. That's like, um, shoot the rifle with two rounds and then transition to the handgun and then transition back to the rifle and holster the gun and blah, 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 blah. And it's one of those drills that like for most civilians, oh, that's actually a qual. That's not the FBI qual. Um, well, it was one of the ones where you're running and going fast and all the other crap. That's one of the army ones um, that came so out of Pranka. Oh, the CQB warm-up. Yeah. Um, so that, you yeah. know, and, and, and I would opine that, you know, if you don't have a rifle in your hand, a significant portion of your life, there's a part of that that does, doesn't make sense. And I'm yeah. not saying it's dumb or it doesn't, I'm saying it's not applicable probably to my world. And it, and it does some things where if you're a newer shooter going back into the holster fast with a handgun, trying that to get one, the gun back up and blah 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 there's just some stuff like that one the the cqb warm-up you mm -hmm. never reholster in a hurry that's the fbi hrt call okay gotcha so whatever yeah. it is and if you're fbi hrt that skill set makes really really good sense um if you're not it, it probably doesn't so you know being able to you know kind of sit back and look at some of the stuff you're seeing on the internet um one of the drills that we like to run that's a really interesting drill is a little bit backward for how a fight would likely progress i look at like the fast test um, coming out, doing the two shots to the head really quickly, but then going to a reload. What is that? When would you do that in any situation? When did you find yourself shooting two shots and then going to a reload, blah, 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 blah. Okay, it's a skills test. It's not a drill you should do a million times. It was never set up as a drill to do. It was set up as a way to look at how certain things, shooting a small target, reloading the gun, shooting a fast target, and getting a draw stroke in in the middle of this conversation, right? So looking at some of those, going to the internet to find things to do, there's probably value in just about anything you do that you'd find. It's just how much value and is it applicable to where you're at. And so being able to kind of make those assessments. Yeah. Right. If it has yeah. anything to do with center axis relock, there's no value to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, or, or at least my challenge would be somebody call me and tell me what it is, you know, and know I'm going to challenge you. So you better have a master's level thesis ready. Um, and then if you're going to do center axis relock, try to do it without muzzling yourself, missing the target 17 times in two mags, um, and generally being a buffoon. So, um, not to say everybody who does center axis relocks a buffoon, but whew, 
it's a marker for sure. <laughs> so, okay, cool. Uh, so, but it is entertaining. So maybe that's how you break your boredom is you watch somebody act like a buffoon on the range. Just hope they don't shoot you um, on accident because it surely won't be on purpose based on what I've seen. So, um, so how do we keep it from being boring? You know, yeah. those are, you know, these are some of the things that we do. But like I said, there's, there's a lot of good information out there. There's just the cautionary tale of where you're getting your information from and how, does it actually apply to you either from a, from a, from a tactics, techniques, or pr procedures conversation, is it something that is worth the time and effort? And again, I would opine that almost everything has some value at some point. So, you know, it's just where you're focusing it. Then we go back to the books to give you that guidance. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I would add um, using a timer and paper targets yes. helps a lot. Um, so you're, you are fully accountable for all the rounds fired Yeah. and how long it takes to shoot them. Um, training in that you know practical world or practical mm -hmm. mentality all the time um, kind of helps to drive continuous improvement yes uh, because there's almost there's always something something else to chase yeah there's and and i and i won't say this is like an, an all-encompassing everybody kind of comment but there are a lot of folks out there in a training environment you know instructors who use steel targets because when you have a lot of people in a class you can run folks through a drill faster without taping uh, stuff like that, but but that that you lose some accountability for where each round is going, and oftentimes the targets that are being used are larger targets, um, or they're really small targets to keep you accountable, but they don't give you the auditory feedback or the visual yeah. feedback that you're used to, because as you get smaller with steel targets, they get harder to track what's going on with them. And then lastly, too, a lot of this stuff is five to ten yards, and by and large, shooting steel plate targets at five to 10 yards is a, is a pretty risky proposition from a spalling perspective, stuff coming back off. Um, it doesn't get a chance to bleed velocity. A lot of these pieces, parts that spall are flat. So yeah. they're humming at five or 10 feet, but at, you know, at 30, 40 feet, they've lost some sting. Not that they won't still cut you or put an eyeball out, always wear your eye pro, you know, wear your PPE. Um, but just be aware of that, that, you know, that's part of the conversation too, is a lot of the stuff we're doing is at, at five, seven, 10, 12 yards, and those are, either too close or marginal distances to shoot steel with safely, yeah. especially in a crowd. It's hard to yeah. keep everybody centered behind that target, um, which is the safest area where you start getting the spalling off at an angle radially. That's a whole other conversation too. So, um, but yeah, the boredom aspect of this, you know, chasing down ways to break that. Um, I, I, go take a class, go take a class, go take a class from a, from a good instructor. Um, it brings you some new stuff to think about. It brings you some new, dr new drills to do. It brings you a new way to kind of codify stuff into your brain and burn in the programming, burn in that code, um, yeah. hearing it differently, you know, or, or, or hearing it again or getting the extra reps or whatever that may be. Um, that's, that's a really, really, really good way to break the boredom. Yeah, I know it's not cheap. Um, I know it's effort to give up a weekend and find, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 rounds of ammo, travel, paper, hotel, potentially, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but almost nobody comes back from a decent class not kind of excited about what they just learned and wanting to practice it. Um, that's a pretty good driver. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so just, uh, I don't what else? Um, novelty in your training, occasionally bringing in something a little bit different, bringing in an outlier, maybe breaking stuff up. Um, you know, th some of the, like, things that, that we've done in the past, uh, like walk-back drills and stuff like that, um, it, 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 don't treat the walk-back drill as a slow-fire drill. Have a, have a two-second part-time on your walk-back yeah. rather than just saying, hey, take all the time in the world. Uh, but do something like a walk-back. Change things up a little bit. Um, or do the walk-back as a slow-fire drill. I don't care. Whatever. You know, it's just something novel. Create some competition. 
Um, and that's, and I guess maybe with the walk back, that's more what I'm thinking of is not just the drill specifically, but the fact that it's putting yourself up against your buds. Um, so running drills, man on man, running drills yeah. side by side or running and keeping track of time. I don't care what anybody says. If you're running a timer and running drills, everybody's paying attention to who's shooting what time. Everybody knows who's faster. Yeah. Just like on the playground, you know, everybody knows which kid not to mess with on the playground. It's the same kind of conversation, but as the kid who's the kid not to mess with, there's always three guys sneaking up on you trying to catch it. And that's good yep. for everybody. So, um, so yeah, competition. Add competition into the mix at, at any chance you can. Um, just keep it good natured. And if you're somebody who doesn't deal well with losing, stop being a bitch and and lose and get better. Do your dry fire. Do your dry fire. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. What else? Like that that sums it up pretty good. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of you know, like I said, just some things to think about there. Um, we put a lot of time and effort into this stuff as you know as we're out doing it. And, and rarely to me does it feel like work because it's my hobby. Um, you know, rarely to me does it feel like work. Dry fire occasionally, but otherwise. Still better than cleaning bathrooms. Amen. Boredom. I'm not bored. No, no. No, ma'am. Not bored. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, like I said, just some strategies to keep in mind. Um, you know, if you're out there and you feel like it's kind of a grind, especially if you're a professional. You know, if you're law enforcement or military and you've got, and you've got work you've got to do, maybe hopefully some of these tactics help you find a way to do this that's kind of takes the the doldrums off of it and gives you something to think about um but yeah there you are yeah cool um on that note as we come across things we try to get them posted up to our social media you can follow us on on facebook and instagram on facebook we're cap city outfitters on instagram we are cap city outfitters too on our website capcityoutfitters.com you can find information such as how to do an ffl transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at soundsershop.com and then we are, oh, you can sign up for our email newsletter that comes up once a week um, via the website or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Grill. We're here 10 to 5 Tuesday through Friday and 10 to 3 on Saturdays. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.